Welcome to the Rockbrook Church Podcast. Our hope is that today's message brings you hope and clarity for your spiritual journey. We love hearing how God is working in your life. Feel free to share any stories of how this message gave you a new perspective and hope. Email us at church at rockbrook.org to tell your story. Hey, good morning, everybody. Oh, we're continuing our series. It's time. Beep, beep. Let's go. Lights green. Let's do it. Let's go. I want to thank Pastor Kelly for his amazing message last week on uh, why, why must I pray persistently? And it was so powerful. Uh, I've probably had a conversation about that message every day this week. That's a must listen if you missed it. Uh, before we get going with today's sermon, I uh, just want to kind of update you on a couple of things coming out of 2019. Uh, one of them is the celebration offering. Uh, so if you're new, this may seem a little bit out of place, but our church actually has been giving to uh, an offering we did at the end of the year. Uh, started Thanksgiving and went through the end of the year, kind of our Christmas present to God, what we call the celebration offering. And uh, we wanted to use half of it uh, to uh, feed into church planners. We love church planners, new uh, churches, especially ones that are planting in, in very unchurched areas of the nation or uh, places that haven't seen a new church in a long time. And uh, I told you I was hoping we uh, would give $40,000 to that, and uh, you gave $44,717.22 to the celebration offering. Yeah, yep. And uh, man, I love the half of you that are excited about that. That's great. So uh, we were able to give um, uh, half of that to two, two church planters, and uh, it's just a thrill to, to give, to kind of get in on the ground floor of a church that's... Uh, going into well, the fastest growing county in the United States uh, in su- uh, Surprise area, Arizona. And uh, they're going to be launching, uh, they're still kind of moving their launch team and all those kinds of things. They'll be starting weekend services in September. And then another church here in Kansas City that's doing 21 days of prayer and fasting and then launching their church. And uh, so I, I asked them if they would just kind of look into their phone and give a word of thanks. And here's what they sent. My name is Greg McKinney, and my wife and I are the lead pastors of Glory Church here uh, in the Kansas City area. We're downtown, um, and I just want to start off saying thank you. Thank you so much for your generosity. We were blown away um, when your pastor handed us that check uh, for that amount. Uh, one of the hardest things about church planting, especially because we, uh, we came into the city, uh, we're from Northwest Arkansas, was that though we had so many people backing us back home, a church who supported us, who helped us financially as a family, uh, people who've been praying for us, caring for us, all of that, the hardest part was coming into a city where more people did not know about you and did not care about you uh, than who did. And we knew uh, at the get-go how lonely it was going to be, and God has blown us away by his generosity, his love, and his care uh, because of people like your pastor, uh, people like you who have constantly just come up and uh, been beside us. We have not felt alone at all, any part of this journey, and uh Again and again, we're humbled by that. So thank you so much for uh, hearing about us, caring about us, and following the leadership uh, of your pastor, uh, Ryland. Thank you. You are one of the most, I told you this, one of the most generous and joyous people that I know, and I'm so excited to do ministry here in the city with you. Uh, so on behalf of my family, our church, uh, and and those who, who will be ministered to because of Glory Church, thank you. Thank you so much. 
Hey Rockbrook, we're the Headleys. My name is Jordan. This is my wife Whitney, and not pictured with us is our daughter Harper Rose. And we're church planters um, who are planting a church called Hope Valley Church in Surprise, Arizona, which is about 30 minutes outside of Phoenix. And we want to take a moment to say thank you for your generosity. Um, it means the world to us that not only would you guys choose to partner with us, but that you would take a risk and believe in and support church planters you've never met. So thank you so much. And because of your gift, we are now set up to begin our launch phase for our September 13th launch. So thank you so much um, for your generosity. And uh, we pray one day that we can be as generous as Rock Road. Yeah, thank you. When I went to lunch with Greg and uh, surprised him with a gift, I said, hey, we're surprising a, a church in Surprise, Arizona uh, with a gift as well. And the circle I know Greg is totally through. It's totally different than the circle I know Jordan through. And Greg said, "Oh, I know a church planner in Surprise, Arizona. I was paired up with him uh, for a church planner's assessment, and we went through it together. He's a good friend of uh, Pastor Jordan Headley." And I said, "Come on, that's awesome. That's just so amazing, and so many cool things. So uh, thank you for your generosity. Come on, let's see some more people get saved, making a difference for the kingdom of God through those churches. Uh, if you want to hear a full report." on 2019. Uh, like if you like numbers, you would love this meeting. Uh, the financial numbers, effectiveness of programs, uh, just uh, small group numbers, baptisms, all that kind of thing. We do all that at the annual membership meeting. That's Tuesday night, January 28th at 7 o'clock. Uh, we'll also affirm uh, the directors and uh, we'll affirm the budget for 2020. Uh, you don't have to be a member to come to that, but you do need to be a member to uh, vote uh, the affirmation and some meaning that you've attended step one of the growth track. You've signed the membership covenant and uh, love to see you there for that. Okay, today um, for this series, it's time. Uh, we're just kind of moving on. If you're new, we're in, we're in this four-week series, and uh, we're being a little bit, maybe a little bit more blunt uh, than we normally would. So if today, if you're like, man, why is he all up in my business? Well, that's kind of what's going on. And uh, I want to talk today about strengthening your spirit, strengthening your spirit. I've been praying this over our church during this 21 days of prayer and fasting. I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your, in your spirit, in your spirit man, your inner being. Like you're more than just a physical being. You're a body, you're a soul, you're a spirit. There's, there's more to life than just what's going on physically. And you don't grow stronger, just like you don't grow stronger physically by accident, you don't grow stronger spiritually by accident. You grow stronger spiritually by intentionally walking with God, the Holy Spirit. And this weekend, I want us to look at the life of Samson, who was known as the strongest man in the Bible, but he had glaring, glaring weaknesses. And in his life, we see both the sources of his strength and the sources of his weakness. And you find the accounts of Samson in the book of Judges, chapters 13 through 16. And we're going to look today at three attitudes that will weaken your spirit and three habits that will strengthen your spirit. Physically, Samson was amazing. Physically, Samson was a Dwayne the Rock Johnson. Spiritually, the guy was a Pee Wee Herman. He just could not handle the strength that he had. He had everything going for him. He started off great. Uh, but he fell hard and became a failure. And his physical talents and abilities uh, were lost because he grew weak 
spiritually. And I don't want that to happen to you. I don't want you to wake up someday in 2020 and go, all my spiritual strength is gone. I just don't have what it takes to follow God anymore. I don't believe anymore. I'm not the man or the woman that I used to be. I'm not the man or the woman that God wants me to be or that I know I can be. So today's, uh, it's a very practical message today uh, Sam, because Samson fell into three traps and I want us to avoid these traps in our life. I mean, it's, the devil's got nothing new. It's the same, same things that happened to Samson, that happened in the garden, happened to people today. And so you might write these down. The first trap that will weaken your, your spiritual strength is self-indulgence. Self-indulgence weakens my spirit. And we find an example of this in chapter 14 of the book of Judges, verses 1 through 20, that Samson lived a very self-indulgent life. He lived only for his feelings, and uh, his biggest weakness was women. In fact, in three chapters, he falls for three different women. He keeps running into relationships, out of relationships, from relationships. The Bible tells us in chapter 14, uh, in the first three verses, that he sees a woman and says, she looks good, she pleases me, go get her. And she wasn't even the right woman that God had chosen for him, but he said, she looks, she looks good to me. And let's just be real honest here. The idea that she looked good was even God's idea. Like God created sex. There's nothing wrong with sex. But the point is anything good, even good things become harmful when they grow out of control. And when they grow out of control, we become enslaved to them. And that can happen with anything. Food, money, sex, sleep, anything out of control will weaken your spirit. And so the first trap that weakens your spirit is when you make decisions on self-indulgence, decisions based on pleasure rather than your principles, rather than your values. And Samson sees a woman and he doesn't check her out. Like he checks her out, but he doesn't check to see, is this the woman God has for me? Like, will this, will this woman strengthen me in my mission or not? Is she going to build me up spiritually or is she going to pull me down spiritually? And often for us, we make the same excuse that Samson made, we make this excuse for self-indulgence just this once. Just this once. It won't hurt me if it's just this one time. But if you took a boat out to sea and at the beginning of the journey someone punches a hole in the bottom of the boat, it would be no comfort to you if they said, no worries, just this once. (laughs) A hole in the boat's a hole in the boat. And a leak is a leak is a leak. All that matters really is just how much time it will take for that leak to sink your ship, to overcome you. And it just takes a little bit more time, even though it's just this once. Another excuse, and you may add this if you're taking notes, that we say is, I owe it to myself. I I owe this to myself. Just this once, I owe it to myself. It's okay. Galatians 6, 7 through 8 says, do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. Whoever sows to please their flesh, from the flesh will reap destruction. Whoever sows to please the Spirit, meaning the Spirit of God, from the Spirit will reap eternal life. It will strengthen your spirit. And desires are good, but anything that's undisciplined is going to weaken your spirit. Any area that you're undisciplined in will catch up with you. You reap what you sow. 
I want you to write this down in your outline. So what should I do? Well, to be strong, I must discipline my desires. I must discipline my desires. Desires are good, but they must be disciplined. Some of you have never heard this. Just because you want something doesn't mean you should have it. Just because you have a line of credit doesn't mean you should use it. Just because you can afford it doesn't mean you should buy it. Just because someone cuts you a piece of cake doesn't mean you should eat it. Just because someone buys you a drink doesn't mean you should drink it. Just because someone offers you some drugs doesn't mean you should take them. Just because your nation legalizes something doesn't mean it's good for you. And just because it's pleasurable doesn't mean it's good. Just because they put the Butterfingers on sale at Hy-Vee doesn't mean I need to avoid the trap of self-indulgence. And we live in a very self-indulgent culture and it's weakening our spirit. It's sinking our ship. The second trap that Samson fell into that caused him to lose his strength was resentment. And resentment weakens my spirit. Resentment will weaken you spiritually. Why? Because resentment is not a fruit of the Spirit. Resentment actually opposes the fruits of the Spirit. It opposes the Spirit's work in us. And we find this in the next chapter in Judges 15, that Samson lived his entire life in a continual state of resentment, of disappointment, of anger, of bitterness. He was a very, very angry man. He felt misunderstood. He felt disappointed. He reacts violently to everything. And his primary motivation in life was to get even. He had a victim mentality. Have you ever had a victim mentality? Do you know anyone with a victim mentality where it's just the whole world is out to get them? It's never their fault. You're a victim of the world. It weakens your spirit. And one time Samson actually killed 30 men just to get even on a bet. He was very resentful, very angry, a very bitter person. And in Judges 15, you find this excuse, they hurt me first. It's the same excuse like we make when we're kids. They started it. And we make this excuse, well, they're they're the ones who didn't consider my feelings. They're the ones who didn't think about me. They're the ones who, who said that thing. They're the ones who've been given that jab. They're the ones who hurt me. They hurt me first. And this is the year of letting go of old hurts. Who has hurt you that you're holding on to that hurt? You need to let it go. You need to not bring that hurt from 2019 into 2020 because it will sink your ship. It will shrivel your spirit. And if you're going to be spiritually strong, you've got to avoid self-indulgence by disciplining your desires. You've got to avoid resentment because all of us are hurt in life. You will not make it out of a broken world filled with broken, sinful, flawed people and not be hurt in life. It's a guarantee you're going to be hurt. And and when you hold resentment, it's always self-defeating. It always hurts you more than it hurts the other person. Job 5.2 says, resentment kills a fool and envy slays the simple. The Bible says anytime I get resentful, anytime I hold a grudge, I'm actually the fool. It's just real, cool, real clear, I'm the fool, I'm foolish, because it hurts me the most. Because I'm letting another person control my emotions. I'm letting another person control my attitude. I'm letting another person control my actions. That's foolish. And Samson lost his spiritual and eventually his physical strength because he never managed that anger. 
He let other people control his emotions. He never learned to let it go. And to be strong, to have a strong spirit, I must control my reactions. I not only have to discipline my desires, I need to learn to control my reactions. The Bible says that the person who learns to control his reaction is stronger than a walled city. And the person who does not know how to control their reactions is as defenseless as a city without walls. And this was Samson's mistake. He dropped the walls around his spirit. He made a third mistake that I don't wanna see us make in 2020. Self-indulgence, resentment of someone who's hurt you in the past, and the third one, this is a big one because it catches us off guard, and that's carelessness. Care, number three, carelessness weakens my spirit. Carelessness will sap your spiritual strength. Uh, we see it in the next chapter of Judges 16, 1 through 20. Anytime you get careless with your time, careless with your health, careless with your money, careless with the words you speak, anytime you get careless specifically with your commitments, like you make a commitment and you don't keep it, Samson had amazing strength. His strength was actually a gift from God. God had given it to him, and it was a result of a commitment that he had made. Samson made what was called in the Bible as a Nazarite vow. A Nazarite vow was a vow to live holy before God. And as a symbol of that vow, there were a number of things that you were to not do. You were to have, you were to have no alcohol. You were to live on a special diet. Maybe the most visible uh, symbol of that commitment is you were to never cut your hair. That was part of the vow that he made as a symbol of his commitment to God. Why did people make this Nazarite vow? It was simply a way of saying that uh, I'm going to live differently as a servant of God. I'm going to not live like the culture around me. I'm going to be different. And Samson, however, he was careless with this vow. What it means to make a vow is it means I make a decision and I've made that decision and that commitment one time And so I don't remake that decision every time there's different opportunities. I made the decision one time. That's the vow. That's the commitment. Samson did not see it that way. He made this vow, but he could take it or leave it. And when different opportunities would come along, he was careless with the vow. And he toyed with temptation. His attitude was not, how close to God can I get? His attitude was, how close to the fire can I get and not be burned? His attitude uh, was that of the, a lot of the ways that we live our lives. A lot of Christians go, I know this is wrong, but I wonder how close to the fire can I get and not be burned? And that's why seasons like 21 days of prayer and fasting are good for us because they cause us to evaluate how close can I get to God and how much of that stuff, the secular stuff that's not of God, can I cut out of my life? And in chapter 16, we have the ultimate uh, expression of this in the story of Delilah. Delilah was hired by Samson's enemies. So Samson has enemies because he represents the strength of God and the people who hated God wanted to destroy Samson. So they hire this woman, Delilah, to find out the secret of his strength. And Samson knows exactly what's going on. They knew his weakness. And he's aware of the game and he knows that she's trying to find out the secret of his strength but he actually toys with her, he teases her. And so the first time when she comes and she says, oh honey, please tell me the secret of your strength, he messes with her. He says, well, if you tie seven bowstrings around me, then I won't be able to break free from them. Then he goes to bed with this girl 
wakes up the next morning, and duh, there are men standing in his room waiting to kill him. He immediately breaks free from the strings, and he kills the guys. The next night, it happens again. She says, honey, please tell me the the secret of the strength. And, And he says, okay, well, really, if you tie new ropes around me, if you'll just tie seven new ropes around me, then I won't be able to break free from it. And he knows what's going on. He goes to sleep, wakes up the next day. Duh, this guy's waiting to kill him. He breaks free and kills them. He's just toying with the temptation. He's playing with fire. He's flirting with sin. The next night, Delilah says, honey, you're really embarrassing me here. Uh, You're making me look bad. And it's pretty blatant that she cares much more about the money she's going to be paid than she cares about Samson. But he doesn't care. He toys with her. And this time he says, if you will braid my hair, I will lose my strength. Notice he's actually getting close to the real secret. The secret was in his hair. Not that his hair made him strong. It was his commitment to God that made him strong. The hair was the symbol of that vow and that commitment. He says, if you braid my hair, he's flirting with the temptation. How close can I get? And let's just stop here. And let's just ask ourselves, what do we know in our life is flat out wrong, but we're flirting with it? Cheating on a test. Cheating on your taxes. You're flirting with it. You're flirting with a man or woman at work. You know it's wrong. But you say, I can handle this. I can get away with this. You're getting closer and closer. And you've already been set up for the fall. Satan has already seduced you. He's lied to you. You bought into that lie. It's time. It's time to break it off. It's time to move back closer to God. In Judges 16, 15 through 16, he's careless once too often. He finally tells her, he says, he even knows what will happen. But his lifestyle has become so weakened after compromise, after compromise, after compromise. He says, if you'll cut my hair, I'll lose my strength. And he's made this excuse. He's made this excuse. It will be different for me. This situation's unique. Friend, your situation ain't unique. It's not different for you. And you can't handle it. It's time. Nobody ever plans to fail spiritually. Nobody ever plans to start living a lie. No one plans to start living a dishonest life. No one plans for their marriage to fail, for their life to fail, their business to fail, their health to fail, their finances to fail. No one ever plans a stint in prison. No one ever plans a bankruptcy. It's one little decision after another. And all of a sudden... They've lost their credibility, they've lost their reputation, they've lost their family, they've lost their ministry, they've lost their finances. And I want you to be stronger at the end of 2020. Not on the ash bin of life or the dust bin of the heap of lives that have failed and fallen away from God. But you're only as strong as what you're committed to. And if you're chipping away at that commitment, if you're chipping away at that vow, you're getting weaker and weaker every day. Romans 12, 2 says, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is for you. So what's, what's your character conforming to? What are you being transformed into? The pattern of this world or Christ? And to be strong spiritually, I must develop good habits. 
Why? Because your character is the sum total of your habits. Your character is your habits. What you do habitually is your character. If you're in the habit of being encouraging, if you have the habit of being kind, if you have the habit of being honest, if you have the habit of being courageous, then that's your character. If it's not a habit, it's just an occurrence. It's not, it's not who you are. It's not the character. 2 Timothy 1.7 says, For the spirit God gave us does not make us timid, but gives us power and love and self-discipline, gives us the ability to make it a habit in our character. I, I love that because you can get stronger again spiritually. Like if you've grown weak spiritually, you can grow stronger again spiritually. Just like physically, we know there's things that just flat out work every time to grow stronger physically. We know how to lose weight. We know how to burn fat. We know how to build muscle. There's just facts and ways that that happens. The same is true spiritually. You can grow. You are not lost. If you feel, I'm too far gone, I'm too weak, I can't become strong again, you can. There is a seat at the table. There is a way. There is, there is power. God has given you a spirit. It's not timid. It's power. It's love. It's self-discipline. And by the power of the Holy Spirit, you can be strong again spiritually. So I want to close very quickly with three powerful uh, self-disciplines that can change your life. Well, we call them the essential habits of the Christian life. If you've been through Growth Track, you'll recognize them. Pastor Tom does a great job of teaching these. Uh, every, every man or woman of God who has been used in history has developed these habits. And any person who's grown strong spiritually has developed these habits. And these people that do that, they've learned that you have a part in building your strength and God has a part. And if you develop these habits, it'll build your spirit, build a strong spirit. And God says you build up your strength by being in union with Christ. He puts his power in you. How does that happen? Three ways. Let's write these down quickly. Number one, get time with God every day. I don't care what you call it, a quiet time, a daily devotion, a morning watch, a drive time devotion, personal devotion, appointment with God. Don't care what you call it, just get it. Get it. Psalm 25.4 says, show me the right path, O Lord. Point out the road for me to follow. And every day, we have different opportunities and different roads to follow. But when we come before God and we say, God, you know the different opportunities I'm going to have in front of me today. God, God, you know the ways I'm going to be tempted. You were tempted. It's not, you're acquainted with what I'm going through. And you say, God, I, I give you my life today. I give you those opportunities. Guide me. Show, point out the road for me to follow. God, I give you my mind. Help me to dwell on what is good and right and pure and honest and wonderful. Help me think on those things. God, you, you gave me another day to dwell on certain things. God, help me to dwell on what you've called me to dwell on. God, I give you my eyes. Help me to look upon no evil. Help me to see the needs around me. God, help me see beyond myself to see others. God, I give you my mouth. Would you put a muzzle on my mouth, Lord, today? This tongue, who can tame it? Only you can, God. I surrender to you my words. God, I give you my hands. Let me be, be about the good works that you planned for me long ago. God, I give you my feet. Point out the road for me to follow. Let me walk in your ways. I want to be a Jesus follower today. You get that every day. 
and you surrender your time to him. Luke 5, 16, Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and he prayed. Do you think Samson's life would have looked different if he did what Jesus did, what Daniel did? And you get in a place where you can be alone with God. You worship him, you pray, you read the Bible, you sing. Here's habit number two, and that is get in fellowship with other believers weekly. And at Rockbrook, as you know, we call this a small group. You're going to need it to grow spiritually in 2020. Ecclesiastes 4.12 says, Though one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves. A cord of three strands, it's even stronger. It's not quickly broken. And there's going to be times this next year where you need somebody to be there for you. That when the crisis, when the rogue winds, when the terrible storm comes, that there's going to be, who, who's going to come into your life when that happens? And you need people that you've already built that relationship with. Who in your life would show up if you had a disaster right now? Who would, who would you show up for if they had a disaster? Does anybody know that they can count on you? You grow strong spiritually and fellowship with others. It's like a fire. You pull the coal out from the fire alone. It gets lonely and cold. But praise God, you can put the coal in the fire again and it grows warm again. And that's what fellowship does. And you need a daily time with God. You need a weekly team for God. There's another thing. And this one, it touches a real sore spot because it involves your money. And it's just amazing to me. Again, just being blunt. I can preach on anything and everything. But whenever I preach on this, it's like, no, 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 no. Who are you to tell me to do that? I, I do you a disservice if I did not share this with you because every spiritually strong person, it's not just getting time with God every day. It's not just getting with believers, but it's giving to God, number three, before anyone or anything else because so much of our life is the words we say, the commitments we say, but when we actually bring a sacrifice, when we actually give, give an action, when we give a tithe, meaning the habit of returning to God first, what he's given us, it's a symbol that he's really first. Our culture worships money. Just like in the days of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, the music plays and we bow down to money. And we'll give God everything else, but we'll hold it back. And if you don't want to conform to the pattern of this world, you want to be renewed, habitually give the first back to God. Matthew 6, 21 says, you'll be closer to God if you will, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And habitually giving regularly to God will get you results in getting closer to God and strengthening your spirit. So here's the question. Uh, which of these three weaknesses are you most likely to fall into, these three traps? And which of the three habits do you need to start in 2020? Are you being self, uh, tempted by self-indulgence? There's an area of your life you know that you're giving into self-indulgence into that area. It's weakening your life. Is there an area of resentment that's weakening your life? Is there an area that you're getting a little too careless about? I don't know what it is. You may not even know what it is. The Holy Spirit does. And you need to strengthen it right now. How do I strengthen it? By developing these habits. As I said at the beginning, spiritual strength is not accidental. It's the result of the choices we make and the habits we develop. Look at this again in Ephesians 3.16. I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his Holy Spirit in your inner being. Let's pray.
Do you need God's power? Where do you get it? You get it by being in union with Christ. And if you've never opened your life to Christ, if you've never developed a friendship with Christ, that's your starting point. And you need to say today, Lord, Lord Jesus, today, I want to know you. I don't want to go another year without a relationship with you. Just pray, dear God, I don't want to be a spiritual weakling. I don't want I don't want to be weaker at the end of this year. I want to be stronger. I want to be closer to you, not further away. Just say, God, I don't want to live a mediocre life. I want to be spiritually strong. I want to be a strong man of God, a strong woman of God. And then say this, dear God, help me to discipline my desires. Help me to control my reactions. God, help me to forgive, to let it go. God, I let that person go today. And say, God, help me to not give in to carelessness, but to develop good habits. Father, these three habits, representing my time, my money, my relationships, so much of life on earth in these habits, my time, my money, my relationships, God, I put them under the lordship of Jesus Christ. It's in Jesus' name I pray, amen. Thanks for joining us today. We would love for you to get connected to what's going on at Rockbrook Church. Visit us online at rockbrook.org for service times, small group information, and other ways you can discover your purpose here on earth.